podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, this is the FPL podcast from Fantasy Football Community. I am Mark Jobling and with me is Lewis, FPL Reactions. There were 38 goals scored in game week 14 as the guessing game of injuries and rotations got underway for this chaotic December. Those who sold injuries out, Ollie Watkins for Darwin Nunez, saw it immediately backfire. And unfortunately for you, Lewis, our last pod mentioned possibly giving up on Sun and and you went through with it and (laughs) you bagged 10 points. So starting from there, how did your game week go? Because you are a Salah owner again. Yeah, it feels good to own Salah, really does. Um, last week, so yeah, let's just concentrate on the moves from last week. It was basically Bowen out, who was supposed to be injured, and who else went out? It was Son as well, who had blanked three games in a row in the build-up to that. So I, I just felt like I needed Salah in. He was um, he he was harming my rank every single week, and but it also meant I could. I could keep the likes of Trippier and and Darwin Nunes and stuff. So, I think I think long term the 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 moves should work out. And I'm on the fence about Son. Obviously, I think yesterday's I think the game against Manchester City was a perfect game for Son, wasn't it? You know, counter counter attacking, score on the break. Where I, where I think the games coming up might not be as easy for Son, um, but I guess we'll see, won't we? So overall, I had. 65 points, two points from Ariola, who is just a waste of a waste of space at the moment, isn't he? Goalkeepers have been so fun this year, haven't they? Well, it's it's going to be our main topic of conversation today because yes, they are yeah. just a horrific time, all of them. It's it's so hard to predict clean sheets at the moment, and uh, the ones that do tend to be more expensive. So the Ariola idea hasn't really gone to plan. No, not at all. So he picked up two points. I started cash. I wasn't too sure if he was going to start or not. Um, but I just fancied the game against Bournemouth and I had to make moves elsewhere and taking him taking him out would mean a minus eight. So Cash got one point. Trippier was, um, I wouldn't say he was fortunate because Newcastle absolutely battered uh, Manchester United. He's probably unlucky to not, to not pick up more points. I think obviously the free kick, you know, the hit crossbar could have easily been Another, uh, another kind of bulk of points to add to him, but he got twelve points. He got the, he got the assist. He got bonus. So I'm, I'm happy with Trippier. Simicas picked up an assist. Saka got eight points. Palmer didn't start the game due to a precaution, but obviously he's gonna, he, he should slide straight back into the starting lineup this week for Chelsea. And Bumo just an assist with uh, from from three goals. I think it was three goals. Brentford yeah. beat Luton. Salah got an assist. Um, obviously, I didn't captain him, though, so every point he he kind of gained, it, it harmed my rank in a sense. Watkins, I didn't sell because I already had Darwin. If I, did, if I didn't have Darwin and I owned Watkins and I was, and I was in um, a kind of 3-5-2 formation, there's a big chance that I would have made that move, like mm-hmm. many others did. So the fact that I've got Darwin, he blanked, okay, blanked, um, annoyingly, because Liverpool did score four goals, but Watkins did, Hawley got 11 points, and I obviously captained Haaland, who I thought was was the best captaincy option this week, and and, and to be honest, honest, Haaland should have probably got more, obviously the controversial moment at the end where Grealish was through on goal, I mean, we don't know if he was going to score that, but still, 
I think that would have been another assist and, and probably bonus points. So all in all, 65 points. I suppose the biggest, well, the only kind of good take I can I can kind of come away from from game week 14 with is the fact that I was 1.1k, uh, 1.1 million in terms of rank, but I'm now around 1 million. So I have gained 80k in ranks. So it's, it's a small step in the right direction, but obviously way, way, way away from you now. I think you've, um, I think you've done me, haven't you, overall? Um, well, until a few weeks ago, we were basically neck and neck. In fact, I think around maybe 10 or 11 or something, you might have been slightly ahead, but it, it has just... It, it, it has sort of gone in a couple of directions since then. And I got 68 points and I've gone up from 502,000 to 361. So it was, it was pretty good game week. I was fairly pleased with it. There's, as always, with several of the green hours recently, there's always a haul left on the bench. This time it was Charlie Taylor. He was third sub actually. So it was never really, mm. it was never really close. I mean, I went into Sunday thinking, well, if Watkins doesn't make it, and the Palmer rumours are true, and Cash is benched, then, then in that situation, yes. But it, it was uh, it was not going to happen, uh, not really. So that, that was irritating. I just didn't think Burnley would keep a clean sheet, basically. I just didn't have faith in either side keeping a clean sheet, but, but, that, but it did happen. So, yes, kept Watkins, that was great. I was never really in danger of selling them because, yes, I saw all the... Darwin movements online but I just thought well even if he misses this one he's back in midweek and I'll still want him for the long term and his fixes are very quickly good and having a thing isn't it with with Watkins I know there's kind of I know we see his fixtures getting tough on paper but Villa like in the top is it free for, for goals scored Watkins is right up there in terms of like stats and stuff and Manchester City next. Is that even a bad fixture anymore? Because they're conceding so many goals, aren't they? Well, they conceded 40U to Chelsea, like three to Spurs there. And Villa have won 13 in a row at home. So there's absolutely nothing to fear as a Watkins owner in that, in that match. 100%. Nothing at all. So um, so I just thought of, thought longer term, thought bringing in Mbumo with one of the transfers was already a bit it's already booking in a future transfer by buying Mbumo. So I think by buying him and selling Watkins immediately, you've already booked in two transfers down the line. And I just felt yeah. they were so precious at the moment that I'd rather have just taken Archer from the bench or something like that. Because Archer, <laughs> they lost 5-0. But pre-match, Archer at Burnley looked okay. Yeah. It could have worked. Uh, Sun kept Sun for his haul. Saka did well. I wouldn't have seen the Green Arrow come in on Saturday night because the live rank had it as a bit of a drop thanks to Trippier and Gordon. Mm. Without either of those, I was thinking, oh no, that's going to be that's going to be bad for the week. But then a lot of the Sunday 2pm players that didn't have or was cheering against sort of Darwin and Bowen and all them, they did all sort of blank in the end. So that bit went quite well. Haaland, yeah, could have been better. <laughs> bad, bad decision. At the end, I just don't even know what to say about it. Cause... It's annoying, isn't it? When you know when you captain because the captaincy is is literally going to be Salah or Haaland moving forward, isn't it? And when you back when you back a player, we saw that Salah okay didn't do much against Fulham, and you you go into um, the Manchester City game, you know, with Haaland captain. Yes, okay, he did get two assists, but 
it didn't, but he obviously picked up the yellow card as well at the end um, for his for his little bit of a kick off. But it, it kind of when you cap, when you kind of back the right captain, you want there to be a bigger gap in points, though. You want to you want to kind of get more for that decision. But yeah, it just feels like there's not been much between Haaland and Salah recently. Not not, not much at all. Um, is, is there a slight worry that Haaland? I mean, he, he got punished on the pitch at the time with a yellow card for shouting at the referee, um, and rightfully so, shouting at the referee. Um, but after uh, any of his after-match stuff, like doing that retweet with WTF, um, is there a chance he could get a punishment for that? Because that would really put the cat amongst the pigeons. Yeah, it's hard to say, isn't it? Because the, the decision was definitely a wrong one. I think a lot of people are going to pick up on that and but you just can't you can't react the way Harlan's reacted. You, and you can't use social media like that either because we've seen people get punished for that in the past. So it is an interesting it is an interesting question, but it, it's, I'm just not sure, you know, Harlan could go into the next match angry and and, uh, and, and, and huge motivation to just to just demolish Aston Villa. So it could go it could go either way, couldn't it? You could flip it either way. Yeah, maybe the authorities just want to bury this whole situation underground because it was because the decision was so bad from the referee that yeah. maybe just you know let's not bring any spotlight to it at all. Uh, so I was pleased with my game week. I think what was almost happening was that my girlfriend's team, Alessandra, I I do hers as well. So like her work colleagues must think she's brilliant at this um, mm-hmm. or something like that. But not not even brilliant, average. <laughs> let's be honest. Um, she almost. I put so little thought into that team. I I don't consider price changes or anything. I just yeah. it's just a last minute thing. And her team almost overtook mine. What big questions does that bring up? If if hers overtook ours, then it would be the case of are we overthinking? Because if, if an inactive team pretty much is has done that, then it sort of makes the rest of the week and the spreadsheets and the analysis just it's almost like you're overthinking your talking to yourself it, out does, of it does feel a little bit like that this season doesn't it? it it just feels like it's tougher to be a casual team this season yeah it totally does it, it feels like even in some other mini leagues there's people who are normally just fodder who are doing really well you just know they're not like there's confidence that they'll be eventually overtaken because it's like i'm sorry but these aren't these aren't active teams like but i think the worst worst thing is as well is these casuals are, are, are guaranteed to have Harlan permanent captain. So, like, even when you kind of work in captaincy, because captaincy is obviously a massive factor in FPL. So, I think if you back against Harland and Harland bangs, then, you know, for captaincy, then obviously the casuals make ground back up, don't they? So, there, there is the captaincy element as well. I mean, truth be told, that I, I rarely stray, stray from Harlan captaincy either as well, but uh, it's definitely part of it. Personally, a lot of the ones up here have just tripled up on Newcastle, Newcastle fans, and that's actually not a bad <laughs> tactic these days. Yeah, exactly. In the past, that would have been during the Steve Bruce days, it would have been a stupid tactic, but it's pretty good now. So the reason that we're earlier than usual with this podcast is that Game Week 15 has a Tuesday evening deadline, so 6 p.m. UK time. So it's sort of a very, very quick turnaround. And one of the many questions that might be coming up now with Nick Pope's injury is the best goalkeepers going forward. Should we even be making a goalkeeper transfer? Because normally it feels like a bit of a luxury thing to do. 
but such is the situation with some of the most selected goalkeepers. It's it's like playing with 10 men, which isn't good. So like Ariola, one clean sheet, and it was a long time ago. West Ham have conceded the fourth most shots. Matt Turner's highly owned. He's lost his place. Leno's amongst the most owned. He's eight without a clean sheet. Allison's out for a week or two. Nick Pope's going to be out for four or five months with a shoulder injury. So, yeah, I, I mean, are you considering a, a goalkeeper transfer? Well, just on that, actually, because there's there's a lot, there's so many people, isn't there, in the community that are, that are against the, a goalkeeper transfer. But, I mean, if you look at tra- kind of transfer activity recently, you know, you look at people bringing in Arsenal centre-backs and you look at people bringing in the Crystal Palace centre-backs and... I mean, the potential's not massive there, is it? You know, you're talking six, what, six, six to eight points potentially with, with a huge lack of attacking returns. So I think if you if you are looking to swap your goalkeeper, then there's definitely reason to do that because effectively these these you know, these players that people have been targeting, you know, the likes of Mitchells and the Salibas and Gabriels, you know, they're 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 gonna pick up similar points realistically, aren't they? Or at least you'd think so. So well, all that all depends on which team you target, I suppose. But yeah, I think I think if you, my position is I had Pickford for so long, and then I think I sold him in game week seven, and then he started picking up like three, four clean sheets. Moved to Ariola, who I don't think he's picked up a single clean sheet so far. I could be wrong, but it's. I mean, it's not looking good for the goalkeepers uh, this season. But you're right. You know, the the injury to Nick Pope has has um, freed up a slot. For for Dubravka and he's only is he three point nine million? Dubravka, yes, he's th- he's three point nine. Um, he came on to replace him rather than Carius. It might be something to keep an eye on if if Eddie Howe makes a comment in his press conference. I don't know about maybe both of them being up for the shirt or something. I, I wouldn't quite be saying yet that it's Dubravka's for a while. So it'd be interesting to see how that goes. I, th- there's been links with Newcastle and David De Gea, but I'm not really sure. It's an obvious link to make, isn't it? I don't know how realistic that is. So Dubravka, if he is the number one for most of the season now, that's a cheap route into arguably the league's best defence, best mm. two two defences probably. Yeah. Uh, it, it's very hard to ignore that. Yeah, you have to be. I mean, you have to be really careful, don't you? Like you said, in case just in case that Eddie Howe does mention anything, because one, you could be potentially blocking off a Newcastle triple up, and two, you would then have to kind of make another transfer to get him out to allow a Newcastle a Newcastle uh, triple up, because a lot of people are going to be targeting the Newcastle assets over the next few weeks. So I think we just because obviously we have to be really careful, don't we? And like you said. I would definitely monitor what House has because, I mean, there are other options. Obviously, LaSalle's is an option, isn't it? Is he 4.1 1 million now as well? Obviously, yeah. I've got Trippier. A lot of people are going to be looking at the likes of Gordon as well. So, yeah, definitely bear, the fact, bear that in mind. Yeah, if assuming House says something vaguely positive around Dubravka having the jersey or something like that, although Eddie Howe isn't known for his clean, clean quote in press conferences at the moment, is he with, with Botman, who is both fit and unfit at the same time every week. It's a, it's a nightmare. But because of that, it probably makes the Bravka a safer media-term option than LaSalle's because from what from what I've been hearing, Botman and Callum Wilson sort of are, are pretty close, actually. 
to come and back in. So that automatically puts the cells in danger. He's been he's been a really good asset to own over the past few weeks with cells, but uh, could his time be coming up as, as a nailed on start? A Livermento, you know, he's he's a brilliant player, but there will be the occasional Lewis Hall rotation. You'd imagine. So so the Bravka in in rotation with Ariola as well, although <laughs> Arguably, the rotation would be completely Dubravka, no matter what the fixture. I, I might just keep. I think I might just start Dubravka every week. It's yeah, it's three point nine million for a goalkeeper from New from Newcastle. That, that's that's super. The fixtures are really good from game week seventeen to nineteen as well. So, I know personally, I, I was planning around maybe game week sixteen or seventeen to. Move Turner to or Ariola to Robert Sanchez from 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 your Chelsea. That yeah. was the original plan, and I guess this has sort of thrown a spanner into that. <laughs> I'd still be sort of tempted to though, because, and I'd love your expertise on this. But are any of your defenders sort of hundred percent nailed? Well, I think with 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 the Colwell, obviously we're drawn to Colwell, aren't we? Obviously, Reece James when he's back will will likely be nailed and. But he he's quite pricey, isn't he? And I, I don't think a lot of people are going to have the funds or potentially even want to go for Reese James based on, well, his history in FPL. So I think the next the next best thing is probably Levi Colwell. I mean, Cucurella missed the last game, obviously being against Brighton. But um, and, and I think Colwell's been struggling. I think he struggled with his shoulder niggle recently. I don't know if it was fully classified as an injury or 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 what, but it was, he was definitely working on his shoulder. He's obviously started, started the week, just gone. He scored. He, he performed, I'd say quite well, really well, actually. So I don't see him coming out. I think the best thing to do with, with Chelsea is just kind of monitor how things go over the next couple of games. We, we play United next. So, I mean, if Cole will start again, which I think he will, and I think he'll, he'll probably take up that role. I think then, he becomes kind of top of my list anyway, especially, you know, in terms of centre-backs, uh, in terms of Chelsea defenders. Yeah, Colwell, yeah, Colwell, the Bravka combination would, would, would be quite a nice way to do it if it, if it gets yeah. nailed on. And I mean, Chelsea, no clean sheet since game week seven, have conceded four times on a couple of recent occasions, but those fixtures are really good on paper, aren't they? So, it does feel like getting some sort of Chelsea coverage in both defence and attack is, is probably um, a good idea. Um, yeah, I, I'd say so. I'd say so. I think if you look at the the Chelsea fixtures, you know, that they've had, we've had Manchester City, we've had Newcastle and we've had Brighton, you know, three teams that are very kind of efficient going forward. So, I think if you asked me if we were going to keep a clean sheet in any of those games, I probably would have said no anyway. So I think mm. you're looking at looking at the fixtures ahead, Everton, Sheffield United, Wolves, Crystal Palace, Luton, Fulham. I think we keep a few clean sheets in there. And I think we all, we also score some goals. So yeah, like you said, going for the uh, going for defenders and attackers is probably ideal. Are there any other any other guys between the sticks that you're looking at? No, I don't. I don't think so. I think obviously Callagher is is cheap. I think Allison is back in training or expected to be back in training soon already. So I think that's kind of rules that move out. And I have triple anyway with Simicast, Salah, and Darwin. And I think a lot mm. of people would probably aim to do that. 
I think Sanchez from Chelsea is is a good move, but I think with with Dubravka coming in at three point nine million, he he just he, it just obviously offers a bit more. Like for, for me, you know, in in terms of like cost and stuff. So I think I think for me, Dubravka def, definitely stands out as the, uh, as the as the goalkeeper to go for at the moment, possibly. And in terms of Newcastle, possibly buying a January goalkeeper. Well, in all honesty, the, it already looks like a midfielder and having another another striker is already kind of urgent for January. I don't know if a third transfer is going to happen after that or a loan deal, whatever. But uh, certainly that Tenali ban, which has ended his season, sort of made a, another centre midfielder pretty much a priority, especially when Willock got injured again. And... and if you kind of if you kind of look at the fixtures, Newcastle. So obviously Newcastle have some nice fixtures at the moment, but towards December the thirtieth they play Liverpool, City, and Villa. So I mean, even if you did sign a goalkeeper, I mean, you keep you keep Ariola because then Ariola then plays Brighton, Sheffield United, and Bournemouth around late December, January. So even if you do buy a new goalkeeper, you've the Ariola, Debravka, you know rotation or whatever you want to call it does does kind of work does yeah it does it's it's a pretty good one so that's pretty, actually another word should probably go in i've seen a bit of popularity for david raya um and people exploring an arsenal defensive double up uh, they are on the joint most clean sheets the they've allowed the fewest on target the lowest expected goals conceded so I mean, there is there is a possible chance of of Ramsdale getting a game in there, potentially. He did keep a clean mm. sheet against Brentford, but also had a couple of er uh, moments. Yeah, but I don't know. It's interesting with with Arsenal because personally, I don't have any Arsenal defense, and and yes, that worries me. It does it does concern me, especially with Luton next. But then after that, they've got Villa, Brighton, and Liverpool. So I'm like kind of on the fence, and I'll talk about my moves a little bit further in in the pod. But I, I just look at that, look at the Arsenal defense. Yes, you know they've they've been really good at the moment, but I'm not too sure if they're keeping three clean sheets in that run. You know I could probably find cover elsewhere. But in terms of Raya, you know you're totally you're completely right. You know they could they could end up rotating the goalkeepers um, through the winter period, couldn't they? Yeah, even just once or something with, with the games coming thick and fast. I must admit, when I saw a bit of a trend online for doubling up on Arsenal, I did wonder why, to be honest. It, as you say, those fixtures don't... It was purely for Wolves and Luton, I guess. And Wolves have scored in every game since the opening weekend. And mm. that was that was when I think they bombarded Man United of like 30 shots as well. So... The clean sheet against Wolves was never nailed on, and Luton, possibly, maybe. But after that, yeah, just one Arsenal defender. It's just, to be fair, there is just a lack of appealing defensive teams throughout the league. To be honest, even even Man City, you know, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I think new with Newcastle though, you've got some great fixtures, haven't you? So I think a lot of the folks will be on like Newcastle defenders potentially, even the likes of Colwell at Chelsea. So. And it may be even people, you might even see people going back to Pedro Porro. You know, Tottenham haven't been keeping clean sheets, but they have They have had a couple of tough teams recently. 
and Pedro Porro is is kind of known for more of it. You'd expect attacking returns from Pedro Porro. You know, he plays so advanced, doesn't he? You're not always going to expect clean sheets with Tottenham, but he he is a, he is an option. You know, he kind of joins the likes of Colwell, Lasalle's Trippier, amongst the top targets, I suppose, in terms of defenders. Yeah, he's a good option. He is a good option. One other thing, actually, I noticed from over the weekend is, uh, speaking of Arsenal against Wolves, Wolves themselves haven't kept a clean sheet for a long time. But mm. by replacing Jose Sarr, who suffered a back injury after 23 minutes at Arsenal, on came Bentley in goal. Bentley. And, he, and he, kept a, he kept a clean sheet. It stayed 2-1. So Bentley got eight points. Yep. And he's priced at 3.9 million. Don't know if Saar is going to be out for a period of time or not, um, but Wolves do have Burnley and, and Forest at home next. So he 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 could be a, an alternative way in. So it's not often you see a sub-goalkeeper come on and keep a clean sheet despite a 2-1 defeat. Uh, but at the same time, if, if you're going to get 3.9 goalkeeper, it's it's always going to be Dubravka, isn't it? So Yeah, there's a lot of uh, 3.9 goalkeepers knocking about these days, isn't there? Yeah, there is. I'm always surprised these days that the backup goalkeepers at the big clubs are sort of priced that low. It seems like a bit of a glitch, doesn't it? Because, yeah, if, if Allison or Edison or someone got injured for a long period of time, all of a sudden you've got like a four million pound goalkeeper and it feels that doesn't seem that doesn't feel right, but. The way they might they might change things up next year because I mean we don't we don't tend we don't really see we don't usually see so many goalkeeper injuries do we and they've kind of all come in the last few weeks so you know it, it could be something they change next season but at the moment I think just well we should just enjoy it shouldn't we yeah totally and another subject that we've sort of touched upon with a few players already is rotation risks because. This December's got a lot of deadlines. Squads are big these days, and certain notable FPL assets uh, will probably have their managers sweating a bit ahead of uh, this game week fifteen deadline. So, we've already touched upon Arsenal there with with Gabriel. Mikel Arteta has mentioned before about how he he's trying to manage his load, sort of thing, and he's been away on international duty. He's played all ninety minutes against Lons, despite the the thrashing he stayed on all match played all of Wolves it's Villa at the weekend after Luton so that could be a worry for owners that this Luton match could be seen as a time for someone like Kirio to step, step in the only thing yeah. is that um, Arsenal do play on Tuesday night so we might get a leak before the deadline maybe yeah possibly yeah you'd ex- you'd expect some sort of kind of rotation before before the Villa game, wouldn't you? And I wouldn't be surprised if it was Gabriel. I think Liverpool are another team that I'm slightly concerned about because I think Darwin Nunes and Simicas, they both played the full 90 on the weekend, which makes me think that there could be a chance that they both get rested this week. Oh, and it's at Sheffield United as well, so that would be a real shame because there's yeah. Joe Gomez... He stepped in away to Luton, and it could happen again this time. Yeah, that's a tough one because even though Jot is, even though Diego Jot is injured, there's still Gakpo. So yeah, you're right. Both of those two, they're sort of the first amongst the first names that come to mind. At least at Villa, Cash and Diaby have just had their mention. Well, they were 
Who knows? Who knows with Cash and DRB? Who knows? We think so. I think the fact that it's two big games coming up for Villa, like Man City and Arsenal, it probably does suggest that they're not going to be benched again. But at the same time, it's Man City and Arsenal, so it's it's not particularly good news. Mm, exactly. Um, even though we, what we've said about Man City's defense, you know, Diaby could have a, a, a decent goal there, but you're not expecting cash clean sheets there either. And then Newcastle assets. In fairness, we can't we can't really rotate right now. There's 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 nothing. <laughs> you haven't got many players left, have you? There's not much to rotate. I know there's a couple of other teams with injury crises as well. Spurs have a lot. Brighton have a lot. Probably mm. was as well. But for some reason, uh, each match it's sort of. There's basically one option on the bench plus two goalkeepers and three youth players. So it's it's a tough one. And Hall never seems to come on, but it could be Hall's turn to step in for Livramento in midweek at Everton. That could be that could be the one rotation that happens. Anyone who bought Isak this week, who maybe took that route instead of Darwin when when selling Watkins, it might be a bit of a concern that Callum Wilson does seem quite close to a return. He could be very quickly back in, and well, we we know what that means because even at the best of times, they rotate. Never mind uh, yeah. these these December situations. So, so that could be one. This week could be could be a really tough week, couldn't it? You know, with, with rotation. I suppose it goes back to one of the latest pods that we did, and, and where we kind of talked about squad depth and bench. You know, and, and making sure that we we have a decent first sub or you know eve or even a kind of usable second sub so i think we need to going into this period ahead we need to make sure that we've got a decent bunch you know looking ahead or, or at least players that actually play squad death uh, we, we sort of mentioned talismans quite a lot yeah p- people who although as soon as we said that sort of in did come off for the first time this season at the weekend yeah. uh he, he was him and Bruno Fernandes were the only players to play, uh, only midfielders or attackers to play all 90 minutes every week. And then uh, Bumo has had his minutes managed a little bit against Luton. So it's a tough one coming up. I mean, what, what do you think? So you think Palmer, Cole Palmer, probably does come straight back in because Chelsea did win without him. So yeah, I mean, we were awful. For a lot of that game, Mark, to be to be quite honest, we were, you know, we we weren't great and we were at home. So I think for me, and also Mudrick was probably one of the worst players on the pitch. Like it's worth mentioning that, that Gallagher got a red card. So straight away, you know, he he's out for the next game. So I'm not too sure what that means in, in terms of setup. Do we just play the two? Um, sit in midfielders and then, and then go with the four attackers. But Mudrick was also poor. And Sterling was too. So I think Palmer has to start. And I think he's probably going to start ahead of Mudrick. And, and Sterling probably returned to his left side position, Cole Palmer on the right. So, yeah, for me, I think Palmer's going to going to start back up and, 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 and remain on penalties. Sterling's a good segue on uh, our differential picks for last week because it's uh, it was another week, basically, where we, we both picked a player with under 10% ownership. To compete against each other and again they sort of both blanked so you chose Sterling he got two points I chose Wissa against Luton at home also two points so you're still ahead 3-2 overall but we've had a couple of stalemates there did you pick out a name for this week? 
midweek. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple that I like the look of this week. I think I think I like the look of Michael Elise. He so went kind of just to compare him to Aze. Elise actually created more big chances and chances, you know, chances and big chances last season. So Elise was their most creative player. He also scored in one of his most recent games, uh, returned from injury. I just feel like if anything is going to happen, it's it's going to come from Elise. And obviously, Crystal Palace have got Bournemouth ahead. Bournemouth are leaking goals. You know, they're still, although results have improved for Bournemouth in, in some sense, they're still conceding a lot of goals and the underlying data is still really bad. So for me, Michael Elise is on set pieces. I think he's, he's going to be a good chart this week. I was going back and forth on a couple of names this week, but I think I'm going to go with Luis Diaz, whose ownership is 7.4%. There is, of course, the slight chance that he gets rotated. It's the sort of the same danger that Darwin has, really. Um, although it's, it seems to be four, four names into three now, which is better than five into three. Um, it's just hard to ignore the Sheffield United factor, but he had, against Fulham at the weekend, he did blank, but he had five shots which was joint most, and his four on target was alone as the most. So he did everything but score. Mm. So if he if he gets the nod this time, if he, if he, if he start, even if he came on off the bench, in, in fairness, uh, yeah. I still feel confident yeah, yeah. that Diaz would get something. It was his first start in a while, but we know the circumstances about that. So he, he's back now. And yeah, I'd feel, I'd feel pretty confident in him doing the business against Sheffield United. You have a name I would have had in mind, sort of plan B in case in case you went there. I would have mentioned Lascelles or Tottenham. Mm. Scored in the last two. Seems to be yeah, stepping, in, stepping in for Madison and West Ham. As uh, Ariola owners would know, West Ham's back line isn't particularly good right now. So uh, no, it's not be, really bad. <laughs> really bad, actually. So... Uh, He's a decent shot, but I think I might just go Diaz this time. And in terms of our own team plans and, and captaincy and stuff like that, what, what have you got in mind? Are you using a transfer? Ooh, or... Captaincy. What what are we saying about captaincy this week? Ooh, what, are you, well, what are you thinking about captaincy? Well, I think I don't like going against Haaland. I really don't. But the way the Villa died is so bad, aren't they? It, it it's gonna be Salah. It's gonna be Salah because if you if you don't count Salah against Sheffield United, then then what's the point? I know that's not <laughs> how it should be. <laughs> Sounds a bit harsh. Um, no, yeah, it's 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 probably gonna be Salah for me. And I don't know, as as, as a new owner of him, are you looking to quickly get onto the get the armband onto him quickly to make amends? Or... Well, I'm I'm still very 50-50. And I think that the game last night, well, obviously we're recording, recording um, a day after the, the Manchester City game and, and Haaland did get into some great positions. And I wouldn't say the Tottenham defence is, I would say the Tottenham defence is probably worse than the Villas statistically, but I, I, Villa are leaking, leaking goals, aren't they? You know, they're, they're not great. Yeah, so, that's true. I just, I just feel like Holland is going to go into this game with extra motivation after last night. He, he's, he looked so angry, and I'm not too sure what a angry Holland is capable of. Oof. That does add to his appeal for sure, doesn't it? 
Yeah, it is. It is quite scary. And um, I mean, both play on the same night, which makes it interesting. Oh. Um, Haaland half an hour, forty-five minutes after after Salah. City are away from home. They're just scoring a lot of goals at the mo- at the moment. Liverpool are away from home too. It's difficult. There's no home. There's kind of no home factor to rely on. It's just kind of head to head, I suppose. In a, in a, in a way, I, when when I was looking at. Salah's expected goal, non-apparently expected goal involvement in the last six. It was a lot lower than Haaland's, or at least, or, or you know, it was lower. So Haaland is is the bigger threat at the moment. I just I can't split it at the moment. Obviously, Sheffield United are terrible. They've are they going to get a new manager? I think I think Hagenbottom got sacked today, didn't he? I think they're talking about him getting sacked, aren't they? So I think. The, the reports are definitely at the time of recording. The reports are saying it, it's likely to happen with Chris Wilder coming in. So it sounds like there's a an active plan in motion there. But yeah, that, that that's the new manager factor for sure. And then, obviously, is is there a, is there a new is there a new manager bounce? Do we see a, a bit of a tight Sheffield United? Because again, going back to Salah's kind of expected non penalty expected goal involvement, it's not as good. And we're seeing what we're seeing is Darwin get a lot of chances. You know, a lot kind of leads to him now, doesn't it? You know, I think he's I think he's top in the last six for total attempts on goal, which says a lot. It it also suggests that although Liverpool are getting a lot of chances, a lot of them are coming to to Darwin Nunes, who keeps missing, as we all know. So I, I, I do look at the fi- you look at the fixtures when you're just looking at the fixtures. You think, right, okay, Salah, Salah captain, and believe me, me bringing him hit, bringing him in for a hit last week was part of that reason was because potentially I was going to captain him. But after what I've seen, you know, with Haaland you know, against Tottenham and, and, and the fact that Austin Villa aren't great at home, Sheffield United potentially getting a new manager, I think it it balances the books a little bit more than than it than it did. If that makes sense. Mm, yeah, it, it it does make sense. It's it's gonna go right to the wire, but of course, it's don't have long to make this decision because it's 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 coming pretty quickly Thursday Tuesday evening. Um, are you doing anything transfer wise? So my team at the moment, I've got Ariola in goal, Mitchell, Trippier, and Simicast at the back midfield. I've got Saka, Palmer, and Bumo and Salah, and up front I've got Watkins, Darwin, and Harlan. Now. I'm really tempted to swap a goalkeeper. I'm really tempted to sell Turner um, to bring in Depravka. But then again, I've my own my my bench is literally Matty Cash, Lamptey who is injured, and Chuck Wemeke who is injured. So I've got no squad depth at all. We could say I've got Cash and that he might play, but you know we're looking at two one pointers for the next two weeks for Cash. I'd say. So for me, although I'd love Depravka in. I might be forced into a into a move for Lascelles, which I'm not entirely, I'm not completely happy with. But I do, I need a defender this week. I'm not too sure if I want to blow the rest of what I've got in the bank on Saliba. You know, we we've just mentioned that the Arsenal have got tough fixtures again coming up. Yes, I might miss out on a six pointer against Luton this week. I might not. But if I do, you know, it's it, it's happened, doesn't it? And then I probably won't want to bring in a Arsenal defender after that Luton game. So I think if I do make a make a transfer this week, it's probably gonna be probably gonna be Lasalle's. Or I could bring in Colwell early and hope he keeps a clean sheet against United. But you know, I, I'm not too sure. I think that would be more of a long term move than a thinking about this week move potentially. No, it's a, it's a tough one. It's a tough one here as well because. 
could possibly end up rolling the transfer, but at the same time, watching Ariola away at Tottenham, that's 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 kind of thrown it away, isn't it? So the, the idea of bringing in Dubravka for Turner does have an appeal, although Everton, uh, it's still probably back Everton to score against Newcastle as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, that could be the transfer, but the worry is in defence, as a owner of Gabriel and Simicass, at the moment, those two in the cells are all starting. But as we discussed, Gabriel and Simicass are in decent danger of, of being rotated this week. And yeah, Matty Cash would come in. He does have attacking potential, which was part of his appeal mm. with the masses anyway. But uh, he's sort of not on good terms with the community right now, Cash. And he's on four yellows as well. That's the thing, um, isn't it? Because we, we're going into a week where players are probably going to be rotated. You know, it, it just, it makes sense for, for, for some teams to rotate the players. You know, they've got, you've got Arsenal playing Luton, Liverpool playing Sheffield United. You know, some of these big teams have got, you know, really, like weaker teams next. So it does make sense to rotate. And although it would be really nice to have two transfers next week, I also want to make sure that I don't actually... I don't really, I don't have a really bad round next week. So yeah, for me, I think I'm going to have to use that transfer and get some squad depth. That makes sense. And you know, a lot of the other guys do have good fixtures. Like even even Sun at home at West Ham. <laughs> you know, last week debating selling him, but now all of a sudden he's he's got a double digit score and he has a good game, a good opponent here. So you know, that's that's a happy to. Have that. Saka has Luton and Bumo against Brighton, who just concede for fun. That's that's that all looks good. Palmer at, at Man United, yeah. I mean, just just the defense, isn't it? Defense is a defense. major concern at the moment. The it back is. line. And if somebody said, if someone came along right now and says Gabriel and Simakas are definitely start and don't worry about it, then I would roll it probably, or maybe go to Bravka. But there's always the danger that something will be said. Or something gets leaked, and one or both of those two are in danger, and then all of a sudden, uh, the thing that was kind of feared with this defense sort of happens at the worst time. Maybe some comfort in a lot of people will also be suffering like that. So, you know, maybe ground won't be lost, but cash is on the bench. Charlie Taylor away to Wolves. Don't see that being a clean sheet, really. So, it You've could also end got- up. You've got to also consider prices as well, haven't you? It's likely we're going to see cash fall again soon mm. in price. And then you've got the likes of, well, the, the usual players, I suppose, the players that we're probably looking to target in Colwell, who potentially goes up, you know, maybe even the sales trip here. You know, these kind of players, they're going to, the prices are going to fluctuate, aren't they? They are, yes. And if, if, if funds are tight, that's that's certainly something to take into account. So that's yeah. Basically, there's 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 questions that aren't yet answered, but between now and the Tuesday evening deadline, we will hopefully be in a better position to decide what to do. That's probably a good place to wrap things up. Then, in that case, it's been a, a pleasure to have you on this pod, Lewis. Thanks okay. for your expertise, and please make sure to check out FF Community's website, which embraces everything about the world of fantasy football, including games for the Premier League, Champions League, MLS and several European leagues. Give us a follow on Twitter at FFcommunity underscore, and we hope you join us later on in the week, I guess Thursday or Friday, as we head into yet another round of December fixtures. Thanks for listening. Sports Social Podcast Network.
This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.